0: Tonight we're concluding our series that we've been running through the month of February on the topic of Be Loved. And the title for the message tonight is actually Growing in Love with a special focus on relationships. So, what does it mean to love? A group of four to eight year olds were asked this very question and the answers they gave were broader and deeper than anyone could ever have imagined. Rebecca, age eight, said, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. Chrissy, age six, said, oh, Oh, I love it. (laughs) Chrissy, age six, said, love is when you go out to eat and you give somebody most of your French fries without making you give them any of theirs. Without you taking any of theirs. That's quite a sweet one. Terry, age 4, said, Love is what makes you smile when you're tired. Anyone appreciate that one? (laughs) Amariah, age 6, said, Love is kindness, happiness, and helpfulness. Tommy, age 6, said, Love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other so well. (laughs) Elaine, age 5, said, Love is when mommy gives daddy the best piece of chicken. (laughs) (laughs) I love that one. Um, And then Nika, age six, said, If you want to love better, you should start with a friend that you hate. Very wise. What wise children. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 8 that out of the mouth of babes and infants, the Lord has perfected praise. And what these children were doing without realising is that they were describing different aspects of God's agape love. Now, the word agape comes from the ancient Greek, and it describes God's love as the highest, purest form of love. It's a sacrificial love that is gracious, that heals, that unites, and that is completely undeserved. If you think about it, we don't actually deserve God's love but he pours it out to us anyway. As 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. God is love. His very nature is to love. Now, while most of us love hearing and learning about God's agape love, how much God loves us, how much, you know, God has good gifts for us, how much God wants us to know that we are loved by him, tonight I want to turn ourselves slightly turn the tables on its head and i want us to shine a spotlight tonight on how we actually love one another how loving are you towards your neighbor your friend your spouse your colleague your congregation member your friend here your family as jesus says in john 13:34 they will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love. They will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love. Now, I know that we live in a broken world where agape love may not quite come quite naturally to us. But we know that agape love is completely natural to God. And by drawing closer to God and experiencing God's love, we can begin to understand how we now can start to show and demonstrate agape love. Now, agape love is... Best described, I believe, in 1 Corinthians 13. And many of you will know this scripture, it's the ultimate passage on love. And it's usually read at weddings to symbolize the love that a married couple should be aspiring to. And actually, over 18 years ago, it was read right here at Kensington Temple at my own wedding as I married my husband and we exchanged vows to become married. And I remember thinking, wow, you know, I'd heard it before, I'd read it before, but as it was read out at the wedding, I thought, wow, you know, this is a serious, serious type of love. So if you have your Bibles with you, please, let's turn to it together and we're going to read this scripture. It's called 1 Corinthians 13, and it's entitled, The Greatest Gift. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and could understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And what a beautifully powerful written section of scripture that is. And actually the beauty of this example and this scripture can actually sometimes mesmerize us because it's such beautifully written prose. And it can stop us actually from realizing what the actual point of this passage is. In fact, the Apostle Paul here, he's issuing a scathing rebuke to the Corinthian church because they were preoccupied with showing off their spiritual gifts instead of focusing on how they show love to one another. And it's a passage that's designed to convict us, and it causes us to ask ourselves the question, do I really have love? Love sees a need and meets that need. Love is always asking, what do others need? Love is actually a measure of your spiritual maturity, more so than whether you do something amazing, like give your body to be burned, or whether you do something amazing, like you give everything that you have and you give it to the poor. Love is actually a better measure, this passage says, of your spiritual maturity, how you love one another. Love is not jealous. Love is considerate and thoughtful, it says here. And so we ask ourselves the question, do I really have love? What score, I'll turn it out to you guys now and those of you watching online, what score would you give yourself on the scale of 1 to 10 about how you love other people? Anyone dare to shout out a number tonight? Eight, I've got an eight over here, wow. Any other numbers? Nine! Wow, we got some loving people in this room. This is good. <laughs> better still, what is the number and what is the score that others would give us? That's actually a better measure of how much we love. Now, don't panic. I can feel everyone stiffening up in the room. <laughs> it's like, eek. we're all on a discipleship journey with Jesus, and because of that, we are all growing into the likeness of Jesus. And the key thing to remember here is that. It's not where you are, but where you could be, yeah? It's not where you are currently in how you love, it's where God could take you. And we need to remember that because God doesn't want us to remain as we are. He wants us to change and he wants us to grow. If we believe that God really is the author of love and wants to teach us how to love like he loves, we shouldn't limit what is possible. We shouldn't limit what is possible in the realms of operating in God's agape love. And so tonight we have three important truths that can help us grow in love. And the first of those truths that we're going to talk through now is you're going to say it with me. Love can grow. Let's say it together. Love can grow. Amen. One more time, let's say it. Love can grow. You know, that's con- that's contrary to the world's perspective. But the world is constantly trying to erode our understanding of love. All around us, we're being bombarded with messages that are completely contrary to what we just read there in 1 Corinthians 13. You know, in the world, love is fast. Love is instant. Love is fleeting. In romance, love is instant, you know, you should be displaying how much you love me physically, regardless of how long I've known you, is what the world teaches us. It teaches us that love should be something that comes quickly, and in actual fact, can go as quickly as it came. I was talking to someone the other day about a program called Love Island. Mmm, <laughs> those laughing. I don't know if you've watched it. I don't, I don't watch it, but I was talking about the concept of it. And the concept of how, you know, all these men and women are brought together on a desert island in the hope that love is going to be sparked. But what actually happens is the love that is sometimes sparked is extinguished as quickly as it came. And that's what the world teaches us about love. And in friendship, the world says, love should be shown by you first. I'm only going to show you love when you show me love first. In the streets and to our neighbors, what's the message that we get? You should never show love to anyone. You shouldn't show love to those around you. They might try to take advantage of you. In marriage, what do we learn from the world? We learn that marriage is about you meeting my expectations and fulfilling my needs right now. And some of the lies that we hear in the world are deep in our hearts. But Jesus puts it this way, and he repeats this statement over and over again. In fact, this statement that I'm going to say now is read out 14 times. We've got it six times in the Gospels and eight more times in the book of Revelation. He says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Be careful what you hear and how you hear, is what Jesus is saying. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, we've just heard that in 1 Corinthians 13... Love suffers long and is patient. And you and I both know that actually, if you think about it, to nurture something, to grow, it takes time. If I plant a seed, I'm not expecting that seed to germinate immediately. I'm expecting that seed to slowly be watered, slowly be nourished. And hopefully in a few months, I get to see a fantastic flower or a fantastic plant. And that's the suffer long and the love is patient bit. You know, because love is ready to watch and wait to allow things to grow. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love is ready to take its time to achieve the fullness of what can be. If you think about it, it's just like how God loves you and how he waits for you. I'm sure many of you in the room have been experiencing the love of God and have been enjoying how patient God is with you, you know, how he can give you a chance over and over again, how he can be so gentle and so kind and sometimes so convicting of the things that he wants you to change. But if you've noticed, God always gives us time and he always gives us space. He always gives us space and he always gives us time to grow. And 1 Thessalonians 3.12, let's read that together. It says, and may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow. I'm just reading the beginning of it there. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow. This passage is beautiful, this verse rather is beautiful in the sense that it's telling us that there is a growth that can happen, yeah? When we focus on how the Lord does it, the Lord can make our love grow. It's not static. So if you're looking at someone thinking, I'm never going to love them, I don't like these type of people, I don't like this type of person, the fact is God says that His can make your love grow. So much that it doesn't only grow, but it starts to overflow. So wherever you, wherever you are in that, you know, one to ten spectrum, remember the Lord can make your love grow. Next time you're about to... Give someone a dirty look. Pause for a moment. How will you know if this person has what it takes to be a good friend if you don't give them a chance? You know, how will you know if this estranged family member has really changed? How will you know if this person is your husband or wife if you don't even give them a second to engage in conversation? You know, I've had many chats over the years with people who have their long checklists... Really long checklist about who they're going to marry. And they say things like, you know, if the person's not over five foot nine, there's no way I'm going to marry them. They say things like, oh, yeah, you know, I need to have sparks, instant sparks when I see that person. Otherwise, that's definitely not the one that I'm supposed to be with. But as we understand, that's what the world wants us to fixate on. It wants us to fixate on Eros love, which is the physical attraction type of love. And it is important, but that's the type of love that can't sustain a relationship. And it certainly can't sustain a marriage. Filio love is another Greek word which is often overlooked. And this is the devoted companionship type of love. You know, the best friends type of love. Or in marriage, it's that working it out together, paying bills together and sharing dreams. That's the kind of love that it is that can grow over time. And that's the type of love that can sustain a marriage. So let's remember, love can grow, things can get better. What we need to be reminding ourselves here from scripture is I can work on this relationship. Let's say it together. I can work on this relationship. God can help me to love this person. Let's say it. (laughs) No one wants to say it. It's like, no, I'm not saying God can help me love them. But yeah, God can help you love the person. And it might not feel like it's straight away, but let's actually start to plant a seed of change that can germinate and become and something new and give life to something new. You know, the broken world that we live in makes us very cautious about pouring out love to other people. And that leads me on to our second truth tonight, which is supposed to heal our mind. We've had love is grow. The second one, say it with me, is love can heal. Yeah, love can heal. Love can genuinely heal. Now, is there anyone here or those of you watching online who's ever been betrayed? Hmm? Oh, got hands going up all over the place here. Is there anyone here who's ever experienced the pain and the loss of bereavement, of losing someone? Yeah. It's a hard one. And is there anyone here who's ever experienced the pain and loss of rejection? Yeah. There's a room full of wounded people here and I'm sure it's the same online. The good thing is that God can heal us and that's the main thing but some of these are very painful emotions and while I was preparing the message the Lord dropped this in my heart. He said he has a question for us tonight which is how have the hurts that you've experienced in your life changed the way that you now choose to love? How has the hurts that you've experienced in your own life changed now choose, change the way that you choose to love. You know, some of you here, you might have began to isolate yourselves. Maybe some of you here have said, right, you know, that's happened to me. And you made a private vow to yourself. I'm never going to trust anyone again. I'm never going to give anyone my heart. I'm just going to keep myself to myself. I'm not going to have anyone throw anything back in my face. Matthew twenty four twelve says, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Has your love grown cold? Has your love grown cold? Is the love that you used to show now hidden under layers and layers and layers of mistrust and pain? You know, tonight I want to encourage you that God wants you to go again. Yeah, God wants you to go again. In Matthew 18, Jesus says, forgive 70 times seven times, infinite. You know, why should someone else bear the brunt of your bad attitude towards them because of something else that somebody else did? It's not even fair. (laughs) Hebrews 13.2 says, Remember to welcome strangers, because some who have done this have entertained angels without even knowing it. Can you imagine? Remember to welcome strangers, because some who have done this have entertained angels without even knowing it. Can you imagine that someone that you don't know, that you want to make a judgment about, how do you know who that person is? How do you know that God hasn't put that person in your life for a specific reason at a specific time? You know, God's way is always better. In Luke 5, we read an amazing story of how Jesus heals a leper. Now, if you've got your Bibles, definitely turn to this, Luke 5, verse 12 to 13. We're going to read it. It's about how Jesus heals a leper. It says, And it happened when he was in a certain city, that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. And he fell on his face, and he implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand, Jesus did, and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy left the man. Now, leprosy was a crippling disease, and it still is. And those who have leprosy, in that, in that time particularly, they would have suffered with intense pain. They would have been disfigured. They would have been rejected and completely isolated But in this passage, can you imagine this leper who's completely desperate? He is so desperate that he manages to break out of his compound where he's been ostracized. And he manages to get himself literally to the feet of Jesus. Because he knows that's the only place that he can be healed. And when he's on his face, it says his face was in the dust. When his face is literally in the dust, he's expecting as he's praying to hear a word that is going to release him. But what he expects and what he receives are two different things, because what he actually gets is not what he expected. He is expecting a word, but what he actually receives is a physical touch. You know, Jesus touches him first. And then he says, I'm willing, be cleansed. And I love this passage because it just makes me think about how the love of God flows through Jesus and heals this man. And it begs the question tonight, can we be more like Jesus? Can God's love poured out through us start to heal other people? I was reading stats that say that 8% of Londoners would describe themselves as those that are lonely. This number grows to 12% in teenagers and is as high as 18% in other groups. The source for this is the Campaign to End Loneliness, and they've done a lot of research about how they say that loneliness is a growing epidemic in our society right now. The good news is, though, for those of us who are in church communities, this number and this percentage is significantly lower. But could reaching out in love to those around us be the remedy and even more impactful than our words? Because what Jesus does there is that he does a physical touch first. And then he releases a word. And maybe that's an example to us tonight that we can do the same. You know, where relationships have turned really sour, have become really bitter, can we be like Jesus? Can we be the ones that reach out first to try and remedy a situation, to maybe heal a misunderstanding or something that's gone really wrong, that looks really bad? But because we reach out first, that situation gets fixed. Tonight, we're going to read some scriptures which are going to come up on the screen behind me. And these scriptures, I believe, just show us and remind us again and again that God wants us to grow in love. Does anyone believe that tonight? Amen. Amen. So let's say these together. We're going to say them. We're not going to read the references, but you can see where the references are. And actually, this is something that I would actually take a photo of if I had my phone just because it's one of those reminders of what God actually is saying in Scripture about how he wants us to grow in love. He says, let's say it together, build up one another. Accept one another. Show care to one another. Serve one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Regard others before yourself. Bear with and forgive. Each other, encourage one another, bear one another's burden, be devoted to one another. Let's clap for that scripture. It's just beautiful. I love how scripture is just more powerful than anything else. You know, just reading the scriptures alone just it just it just refixes our mind as to what God really wants. Think about how many scriptures are there, and there's so many more, that is God imploring us to love one another better. And then that leads me on to my final point tonight, which is love can last. Let's say it together. Love can last. Love can last. Anyone agree with that? Yes. Yes, Pastor Claude F does. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Well, on Friday, um, my husband and I, we had the privilege of sitting on a panel for the Hub Youth Ministry, and we were on an interview panel with another couple And the topic was the topic that we love to talk about in February, which was relationships. And as we began to share biblical truths about love and relationships, I was reminded that actually we were in a very similar position many, many years ago. And we sat down with people from this very church who sat down and they spoke words of life to us about biblical marriage and about what God expects in terms of love, dating, and relationships. And I just thank God for that counsel that we had, because actually, we had to, want to learn some serious lies about relationships and about marriage. And just talking to these young people was so lovely, because it was just like us all going through the fact that God's plan is for love. God's plan is is for love as expressed in relationships and the institution of marriage, which he actually designed in the first place. You know, Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. They shall be unified. They shall join together. And what I pick up is that when I was talking to some of the young people is that, you know, the naysayers, the social media, the news reports, the, the bad statistics... It's starting to contaminate and affect an entire generation when it comes to the topic of marriage and the institution of Christian marriage. And it was interesting just talking to some of the young people and kind of, you know, overturning some of the lies and some of the things that many people would have heard in many places. And talking to them, it made me remember Psalm 1. Now, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks, Not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night, day and night. Every year, my husband and I, we try and go on a marriage retreat or we go away for the weekend. We go somewhere where we can work on our marriage, where we can talk, where we can build and enhance our marriage. And we do this because we recognize that there is a real assault on Christian marriage. You know, I'm sure many of you will have many stories of people that you know. But there is an assault on Christian marriage. And the fact is, we need to remind ourselves by being around other godly couples that marriage can work and love can grow and love can last. Yes, I'm sure many of you here, you've seen bad things. You've heard bad things. I have too. I've seen bad things. But the question still remains, as a believer, what are you choosing to meditate on? What are you choosing to meditate on? Are you looking to good examples of Christian marriage? Um, My husband's grandma and grandpa, they were married for 52 years. And we went to visit them before we were, well, when we were in the process of deciding to be married. And I remember... Um, My husband's grandma, she said to us, you know, we, we got married when we were 19, and she said we had absolutely nothing, but she said God is the one that made everything for them. And you know, knowing their lives, they've, they've both passed on into glory now, but knowing their lives, seeing them about how they lived their lives. You know, They had nine children. They had amazing things that they did in their lives. They've got so many grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And it was like the legacy of their marriage still lives on. The fact that it was a Christian marriage, it encouraged so many other people that marriage can last. So don't sit with the company of mockers. The devil, what he likes to do, as we all know, is that he loves to sow seeds. Sow seeds that are based on a little bit of truth, but a lot of lie. Yeah? A tiny little bit of truth and a big bit of lie is what the enemy likes to work in. And many of us get deceived. And we get deceived so much so that we develop a spirit of scorn and mistrust. Jesus says, remember what you hear, how you hear it, and what you're hearing. Some of you hear Maybe feeding yourself straight from the mouth of the council of the ungodly. What are you casually allowing into your heart? What you're allowing could actually be very detrimental. Maybe you say things like, you know, everyone's fake. Everyone is fake. I'm, I'm, I'm sure everyone in the world is fake. I can't trust anybody. Anyone say stuff like that? Anyone dare to say anything like that? <laughs> Anyone dare to admit that they do that? but we might have that rhetoric going in our heads. Oh, everyone's fake. I can't trust anyone. There's no such thing as a good friend. Yeah, I'm never going to have any friends. I like to be alone. Marriage can't last. What are you talking about? Every marriage that I know never lasts. You know, the more we start to say these things and call them on our lives, what are we calling on our lives? But also, what are we calling on God's church? You know, granted, you know, the Bible's very clear that some people are called to a life of singleness, And that is to be held in high regard. But others are called to a life where they're going to be married. And that also is something that we should encourage. Whether or not we're married or not, we should uphold the institution of marriage in God's church. Don't listen to mockers. The Bible says we should meditate on the law of the Lord. We should look at love through God's lens. God knows what he created and why he created it. And he is the one that knows how it can work and how it can grow, and how it can heal, and how it can last. And so, as we come to a conclusion tonight, let's go to First Corinthians 13. We're going to read the second half that we didn't read earlier, which is verses 8 to 13. Let's get there together. It says... Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child and I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, it says now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known, and now abide faith, hope, love, but the greatest of these is love love can last. Love never fails. Love is eternal and complete. Why? Because God created love and God is eternal. We know in part, it says in this scripture, we only know in part, you know, our understandings, our gifts, our best efforts, even for the kingdom are all in part. But it says in eternity, we shall be known fully and we shall understand fully. In the last day, all the gifts, that we currently use now, the gifts of prophecy, the gifts of words of knowledge, the gifts of tongues, it says they will cease, they're all temporal. But it says love will remain, love will continue, love will never fail. And I was thinking about it. You know, love is actually a revelation of the way that God allows the eternal to break into the present. That's what God does with letting us love. He allows the eternal To break right now into our present because if you think about it God is love and his love is so long and so vast and so wide and it's so never-ending but he allows us to experience it can you imagine how beautiful that is that he lets us have a glimpse of what is eternal that's what God does he lets us love because he wants us to know that even in our limited love it's it's a taste of what is to come in the future and I know here we all have eternity in our hearts so let us continue to pour out love like we never have before anyone agree with that tonight